Under the Dome Radio initial reactions to Season 2, Heads Will Roll, recorded June 30th, 2014. Welcome back. This is the Under the Dome Radio podcast, the unofficial podcast by and for fans of the CBS television show Under the Dome. We've got theories, news, reviews, and interviews, but tonight, initial reactions. For this 24th episode, be sure to check out our show notes and links of things we might discuss tonight at underthedomeradio.com slash 24 or leave your feedback. Let us know what the heck you thought of this episode. Just go to underthedomeradio.com slash feedback. And me, I'm Wayne Henderson, the voice acting, podcasting, Green Bay Packers fan. And let me try to get this microphone. It's stuck on the wall of this dome. Got it. Oh, and Troy, how are you, sir? I'm really good. I'm actually surprised that I'm actually able to talk through all this EM interference this evening. Thanks to uh, Julia and Big Jim for actually seeing eye to eye so that we could actually do this podcast tonight. And I'm sure that's going to actually adjust some of our future electromagnetic properties of the dome. So outside communication possibility soon, don't you think, Wayne? Man, you are laying on the science tonight. Yo. Hey, I learned from a great teacher. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't my science teacher. No, but I, being Stephen King fans ourselves, and most people that have listened to this podcast know we read Dome, we read 112263, we've read most of his other works, including the entire 4,400 pages of the Dark Tower trilogy, trilogy, and then two more books after that. (laughs) (laughs) There was all kinds of stuff. Fantastic stuff. And that was very, very uh, brilliant of them to be able to call in Stephen King to write this first episode of season two because it was fantastic. Where do we start? I, I guess we'll start at the end because being, <laughs> okay. Steve, well, being Stephen King, you should assume that there's going to be the good looking girl in the high school getting murdered or blood or something. And I can say that I did not see Angie dying at all. That was shocking for me. I would say that was shocking. We did not expect it till time was running out and all that creepy stuff happening in the high school in the dark with the tense music. Uh, That's when I thought, "Uh uh-oh, it's not who we thought. But I love how they're hearkening back to season one as she dies and throws up that bloody hand right on the locker. I thought that was just a stroke of genius. And now they have one less hand. If if they... If the mini dome happens to come back or something and they need to have all four hands... They need a substitute. Well, the substitute, I'm going to say right off the bat, where the heck was Ben? No Ben tonight. Our buddy Ben. I mean, with all this action going on, he should be helping out his friends. But uh, maybe he's trapped at the skate park. His skateboard ended up stuck up on the dome. I bet we'll find out something about Ben next week. Well, for those of you that don't understand what's going on so far in Chester's Mill, because you might be new to season two as we start out, we just want to let you know that this initial reactions to the premiere episode is really going to ask you guys, the fans, the domies, a lot of questions. We really want you to give us a call at 904-469-7469 or go to underthedomeradio.com slash feedback and you can go ahead and leave a message via our voicemail widget right on the website from your smartphone or your desktop or you can just email in some feedback whether you want to record that as a audio file or just type it out. Either way, that's feedback at underthedomeradio.com and we'll share all of those thoughts, theories, and comments later on this week on our episode releasing Friday morning. 
but we will be recording a day early because of the 4th of July holiday. I'm just really excited to hear what people think about the pilot because this really felt where it was different in flow and pacing. It really brought a lot of season one early days back. So I hope they kind of keep on this pattern. Yeah, I definitely could tell that this was written by Stephen King. It had all of his Hallmark trademark things, and it was so tense throughout a lot of it. And of course, at the beginning, Sheriff Esquivel, she finally, after all of us yelling at her on the screen for half of season one, she finally gets reasonable and orders Jim to stand down at gunpoint. And, you know, you want to cue the Metallica death magnetic soundtrack music because the dome sucks everything over there. And the next thing you know, Sheriff Esquivel's dead. Good call, Troy. So go ahead. And well, you, you had the same call there, Wayne. You, you had Linda as well. So we were one for two on both <laughs> sides. So Team Wayne, Team Troy, 50-50 to start out the season. And she was getting kind of annoying. And then she redeems herself. And of course, she's gone. That's kind of like how they did things on Lost. Well, at least she was willing to die for the person she believed in. And I think that was really the big theme of tonight's episode. Are you willing to sacrifice yourself for someone else? As we saw Julia jump in the lake to rescue the hatchling, I guess we'll call her since (laughs) she appears only after the egg was dropped in the water. So she must've been what was inside the egg. I don't know. That is something we need to hear the listeners views on because sometimes they have a lot They make a lot more sense than we do. And that just didn't make any sense to me at all. But obviously, she just kind of bubbles up at first. I thought that it might have been, I forget the lady's name, that uh, Big Jim had fall out of the back of his boat and drowned. But uh, Maxine's mom. But it was that was not Maxine's mom. That was definitely not Maxine's mom. So we had Linda sacrificing herself for Barbie. We have Julia almost sacrificing herself because she's not 100% to save the hatchling. And then we have, of course, the ultimate sacrifice, Big Jim willing to die to save his son. I think that was a real stroke of genius to ask the real big question of this season, right? Is it really that the Dome wants Jim dead or was the Dome testing Jim to see if Jim will be the ultimate leader at the end of the day because he has to make those hard choices? And to see if... It was really satisfied, the dome that is, by the fact that they all agreed, at least for now, to stop the killing. There's been a lot of killing in season one, and I really hope that there isn't so much killing in season two. But I think there's going to be a lot more question, a lot more theory. I think there's going to be a lot more science in this season. You know, they added a science teacher. So I was really excited to hear how she was explaining things like, you know, the dome is contracting like a woman in pregnancy. And immediately I thought of that whole, the adults are dying and the kids are coming to life and the dome wants a new birth. So it had really had that kind of feel to it from her perspective. And then just more along the lines of this EM field. So it really helped explain that she's been tracking the EM field of the dome ever since season one. And that's why cellular communication wasn't getting out like it was in the book. Now those properties might be a little bit different. Well, it would have been nice if she could have maybe come forward to everybody back in season one. (laughs) Just saying, you know, what they say at the very beginning, it's been uh, two weeks now, something like that, since the whole dome happened. Exactly. What are your thoughts on the speed at which they introduced the entire new character set? It makes me nervous, Troy. It makes me nervous. It was like too many new people all at once, but... You know, knowing that they've what is it? This is another what thirteen or fourteen episode season. 
So it's not a full season. So they do have to move kind of quick. I thought it was just kind of interesting that Junior has an Uncle Sam. I mean, how patriotic is that? Uncle Sam. And he wants you to come help him in the woods because he doesn't want to hang out in town because it freaks him out. I couldn't believe how kind of freaked out Big Jim and Junior were when they saw that Uncle's sloppy Sam was uh, in town. First time they'd seen him since the funeral. Freaked out for different reasons, though, I think is the key, because Junior had this vision of his mom, which. Oh, my goodness. Totally shocked that Shelly was Stringfield was going to be in the first episode. Did not see Pauline coming this early. This was probably the signature moment for me where I knew season two was in good hands because that was a big, big shock. And then to see the twist later on at the end of the episode with her, even bigger. That was amazing, amazing stuff. And it was just kind of creepy and eerie enough because, you know, Junior in his, of course, don't call him Junior, call him James, okay? He's walking down the streets. It looks like Chester's Mill, but then from different angles, there's all these skyscrapers. So where is that? Yeah, the snow globe said Zenith inside the snow globe. So I thought that like is that a brand. like a brand, like the TV, but is that a city name or something? That's a really good question. That sounds like the name of a uh, planet from a 50 science fiction type of uh, story to me. Or we could be red verse, blue verse, a little fringe tie in here possibly because that snow globe turned red. That is not the kind of snow globe I want that you. Oh, it's all nice and pretty. Oh, wait, now it's turning to blood. Let me throw it on the ground. That was some good imagery. That was a genius scene. And even somebody as kind of twisted as Junior James Rennie has been, even that kind of made him really twitchy. So let's take count. I think we've seen every single new character except Dwight Yoakam, the new barber. I was on the lookout for the barber. I need a little bit taken off the sides. Maybe Dwight was there having some coffee in the background with Mr. King as they were sitting at the end of the bar. You know, if if we were on the Andy Griffith show, they would have addressed him as Stephen King down to the diner. He was just having some coffee. Angie, how about, you know, while she was still alive? And maybe this should have been a sign that she was about to go because allegedly they think that the trauma all stopped because they agreed to stop the killing. So now the dome's happy. But Angie was saying that, uh, you know, telling Big Jim, be glad I wasn't there. I would have pulled that lever and danced while you were twitching. I'm thinking that is twisted. Well, and that should have been the foreshadowing right there to know that Angie was going to be death number two. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, Ghost Dodie, probably a vision from the dome, kind of harassing Big Jim down in the in the shelter area. That I thought was epic. And it was just so creepy. That had to have been written by Stephen King. And I can hear Dodie's mom now saying, Dodie, get that finger out of your ear. I mean, out of your chest cavity. So gross. (laughs) That's when I. Say your text message. I said, wow. And then she wags the finger at Jim like, uh-uh, you naughty boy with the blood dripping off of it. That was just classic. And talking about the sins of the father being passed down. It's like just when we're starting to think, you know, come on, Junior, James Rennie, maybe he can uh, be good after all. And now we're getting little hints of the sins of the father maybe being passed down to him. But that that scene was just, uh, that stands out. That's going to be one of those epic scenes along the lines of the cow getting chopped in half, I think. Well, and that's a really interesting topic that you bring up. And we want to hear from you guys, the Domies, again, 904-469-7469. When they said sins of the father passed to the son, were they implying 
Big Jim to Junior, don't call me Junior, call me James? <laughs> or were they implying, did Big Jim's dad create some sin and it's now coming to fruition against Big Jim and it's Big Jim's turn to turn the tide? That could be as well because didn't they, when they were talking about building the gallows, isn't that something that goes way back in the Rennie family tree a couple of generations? I'm sure there's always been a Rennie in office at some point in Chester's Mill. Back when $100 bills were worth even more. And you could get a car for on the cheap because I'm just a nice guy with a smile. Oh, my God. The imagery in this episode was was just amazing. What about that uh, old yearbook of Mrs. Rennie's that uh, Uncle Sam was looking at? Some of the artwork in that was, you know, we a little tie into Lost here. There was some crazy artwork on Lost that we examined and looked for clues I think we could be on to the same type of trail here because some of that stuff was just insane. Well, if you're keeping up with the lost concepts, it was really interesting to find a group of pigs sitting outside that they could hunt for food later on as they were under this blinding, pulsing white light that we've seen a few times on Lost as well. And then, of course, Big Jim kind of channeling John Locke when he's trying to figure out what's going on. He's looking up to the sky, up to the dome, asking for direction, and then later kind of like John Locke as well. He's going to hang himself. I thought maybe Julia was going to go up there, talk him out of it, and then at the last minute, wrap the rope around his head even tighter. But uh, Julia was nice. Okay, that's the moratorium for the entire rest of the season on Lost References. <laughs> oh, no, we can't go the whole season. Just hang on, listeners. <laughs> and again, like Troy said, call us with your thoughts and theories. What on earth is going on? There is so much to talk about on this episode. Plug this number into your speed dial and call us whenever a thought comes to you, okay? 904 904- Four six nine seven four six nine. All right. So initial reaction voting. We're not going to do our true ratings like we normally do. We'll save that for the full show. Thumbs up, thumbs sideways, or thumbs down. Oh, big thumbs up, and not even in my chest cavity. They are out and clean. No blood on these thumbs. Straight up. Yes, I say thumbs up as well. I think it's a great start. I'm really curious how they continue the season though and what things they're setting up. And they did it very, very craftily with the introduction of Sam when Barbie comes up. Hey, is there a problem here? And you can see that there's a little tension between Julia and Barbie going to start there. And then, of course, when the science teacher comes up and gets introduced to Julia, it's like, no, I saved the dome because I tried to kill Big Jim and saved his life. And she's like, no, I saved the dome because of my copper magnetic radio tower thingy. Yeah, of course, the science teacher takes full credit. It's the old science versus faith thing, and we're not going to get into that. But uh, I did want to talk about one more thing before we uh, leave, because, of course, we're going to have a lot to talk about on our full show later this week. But one of the topic points, and again, we want to hear your thoughts and theories. Be part of the show. Call us or leave your audio feedback right through the website at underthedomeradio.com. But we get this vision, or is it really happening at the end of the episode Junior's mom is painting again, and then there's that same skyscraper cityscape behind her, and then there's the image of the dome over Chester's Mill in the distance. Is that really happening in some all alternate universe or in dome world, or is this just another vision that one of the Rennies is having? I could not tell, and of course I need to watch this again. Well, it seemed like there was a connection point. She's painting a picture of Junior, of James, and it was right after he's like, don't call me Junior, call me James. And then she's like, ooh, James. Like almost she was like in a trance as well, meeting Junior in that temporary space, if you will. 
and then she's actually alive and well somewhere else. And the question is, is where is that someone else? The newscast would make you believe that she's in a different town and she's watching the events unfold. Yes. Or is it just being projected in a mind like state because she's really a zombie somewhere being brainwashed? It could be both. Neither. It's very fascinating. Color me intrigued. I did not expect so much awesomeness in this pilot episode, even though we knew it was going to be written by Stephen King. So we got a lot to talk about later this week. So we're kind of laying the table out there, Troy. So most people that gave feedback last week were like, yeah, Linda could go. So we got that win. We got to see some outside the dome (laughs) action. We got that win. Think that we're on pace for an exciting season two, and we can't wait to talk to all of you domies later this week. Again, 904-469-7469 or underthedomeradio.com slash feedback. Use the contact form. Leave us a message on the website. We want to hear from you and what you guys thought of the season two premiere of Under the Dome. And until then, I am Wayne Henderson. And I am Troy Heinrichs. We'll catch you later as we all stay trapped under the dome. Under the Dome Radio. Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Get organized in your personal and professional life. Laugh with our clean comedy. Theorize over great television shows and so much more. All waiting for you at noodle.mx.